0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter, and the final one for New Blood. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from the heart of Yorkshire, England, where it seems like the rest of the world, the dust is starting to settle on what was a surprisingly divisive finale. I say surprising, because the more I reflect on it, the more I get it, and... I wonder now how many of those who had such a strong negative reaction to it many of who took to social media to slate the creators I wonder how many of them have softened in their opinions now they've had a chance to reflect on it too maybe do a rewatch maybe listen to a podcast maybe read some reviews Certainly not all, (laughs) as the hate directed at people like Scott Reynolds continues, unfortunately. Actually, it was pointed out to me how last time I used the term hate speech when talking about the, well, let's face it, disgusting messages directed at Scott and others, but mostly Scott, as far as I could see, I realise... That I misspoke and shouldn't have called it hate speech exactly when of course hate speech is defined as and I looked this up just to get this right (laughs) uh, defined as abusive or threatening speech or writing that expresses prejudice against a particular group especially on the basis of race religion or sexual orientation so for that I apologize and I hope I didn't offend anyone by referring to what Scott and others have experienced in that way. I do, however, stand by how disgraceful I think many of those messages were, and are. I hate to... I've got to say it. (laughs) We do live in a civilised society, and the world could benefit from a lot more tolerance and... just... kindness... (laughs) So for someone to come back to me and say hate is good, I disagree. Sorry, but hate is not a healthy or beneficial thing. Like I said last time, we don't have to like something, but express it in a constructive, reasoned way, and and we can have a discussion about it, even a, a lively, healthy argument. But let's keep it civil. There's enough negativity in the world without it spreading from a TV show. We all get upset sometimes, lose our cool, get all emotionally dysregulated, but come on, it's a TV show at the end of the day. It's okay to have our own opinions and disagree, it absolutely is, but it's so sad that many people couldn't keep it civil. Anyway, luckily here, although we've had a bunch of different opinions on the finale... ...and New Blood in general, you guys have been brilliant with your feedback... ...and it's made for some really fun conversations over the last few months... ...and we're not quite done yet. But we'll get into your favourite New Blood moments soon. First though, I wanted to spend a few minutes... ...talking about something that came up from an interview with Scott Buck... ...who you'll know as a former writer of Dexter... ...having written for the show since season two... ...but more importantly... He was the showrunner from season 6 to eight, six, seven, and 8. He gave an interview recently to the website Bloody Disgusting and he talks about how the original series ended and his ideas for a possible spin-off. It's true that a lot of the fan community lay the blame for season 8 being so disappointing at the feet of Scott Buck. As showrunner, he's steering the ship and you assume has final say on what happens. To an extent, to a large extent. He was also in charge for season six and seven too. And while they certainly had some good stuff, like the downward spiral of Deb, they felt a lot like the show was spinning its wheels at times. And some things fell flat. I'm not even going to mention (laughs) that shrink who convinced Deb she's in love with Dexter. But let's focus on season eight, as at the time, that's how we sh- we thought the show was ending. There was a lot of criticism about how it finished. Dexter sailing off into the hurricane, apparently faking his death to go and relocate in self-imposed exile as a lumberjack. So, many fans disliked the ending. For me, I understood why Dexter would choose to take himself away, knowing that he brought pain and potentially death to anyone he was close to. He sent his son away with Hannah, uh, but she hardly seemed an appropriate person, given her propensity for poisoning anyone who gets in her way. But in principle, getting away from Harrison made sense to me, bearing in mind Dexter doesn't always think rationally, and had just given Deb a burial at sea. Massive emotional trauma again, and he did what he did. Of course, This got retconned in New Blood, but the point is that so many fans were disappointed with how Season 8 played out. Also bearing in mind that, at the time, this was it. This was the final episode ever of Dexter. Many felt that the ending should have had Dexter held to account for his crimes, get caught. Many expected the final scene to have him in the execution chamber, giving one final wink or a wry smile to camera responsibility for this was placed squarely on the shoulders of the showrunner Scott Buck rightly or wrongly what Buck has revealed in this interview is interesting he said that the writers room was under direction from the network Showtime not to kill off Dexter because it would close the door on ever bringing him back Dexter being such a successful commodity for them Buck also says that having Dexter get caught and revealed would handicap a future return as he'd have been outed as this heinous serial killer and the world would recognise him if he were to walk down the street. Buck states that they ended season 8 the way they did, specifically to leave it possible for bringing Dexter back at some point in the future, as per Showtime's direction. So, with this in mind, does the ending of season 8 seem better? More forgivable, where necessary, (laughs) depending on your point of view. Obviously, the writers were limited with their options, but Buck says they still wanted Dexter to face some sort of consequence, which I'm sure we can agree was needed. And that's something that Clyde Phillips was very keen to stress about the direction they took with New Blood, that that Dexter needed to have some accountability for what he'd done. So, Dexter wasn't outed, he wasn't killed off, he was still out there, and it made thematic sense for him to make the choice of punishing himself through isolation and separation from anyone left that he cared about. The retcon that we got in New Blood also makes sense, like we talked about earlier in New Blood, that he might have made the choice to kill himself, in that moment, full of emotion, full of grief and sadness at losing his sister and his son, what did he have left? Anyway, so Buck goes on to reveal suggestions from Showtime about scenarios for future Dexter. They suggested he be a doctor, which is pretty ridiculous to think he, su- he could successfully fake that enough to get by. Buck countered with the idea that Dexter be a paramedic, which is less crazy, but again, would require advanced medical knowledge that Dexter doesn't have. However, Buck figured that it could be a way Dexter might atone for his sins. If killing is his heroine, then holding lives in the balance as a paramedic could be like his methadone, which is quite an interesting analogy. This is all forgetting, of course, that Michael C. Hall was done with Dexter, he got a massive payday to come back for the last season or two and he was he was ready to move on to new things and as an actor you can understand that. It sounds like maybe part of Buck's problem was his inexperience as a showrunner, which he acknowledges in the interview. And reading between the lines, it sounds like maybe he didn't have a close collaborative relationship with Michael to discuss possible future stories... Honestly, to me, it sounds like they could have pitched New Blood right away and he still wouldn't have gone for it. At that point, he was just done with this role and needed to get away. The pitch from Clyde Phillips two years ago was the right story at the right time and, of course, things fell into place. I don't think a season nine was realistic back in the day. However, Buck talks about writing a script for a potential new series and sent it to Michael, but he never heard back from him. Not directly. And this was only five years ago. So Buck assumes that it was still too soon to consider going back to the character again. Or you could also assume that Hall simply didn't like the idea. Things kind of came down through the grapevine to Buck that it it was a non-starter. I won't delve into all the details of Buck's ideas. Um, He goes into um, quite a bit in the interview. Uh, You can read the full interview at Bloody Disgusting or uh, there's a copy of it that you can read at Dexter Daily. But it sounds like Buck was of the opinion that Dexter is indestructible and shouldn't end up getting caught or killed in the show. An opinion shared by a lot of the naysayers disliking New Blood. Buck's follow-up season would have Dexter some years later resisting having resisted killing since Miami, like we had in New Blood, but he now works as a paramedic, like I said, when a new big bad becomes active in the area. Dexter doesn't want to get involved, but he can't resist looking into it and ends up deciding this person has to go. It was this idea that got pitched five years ago, and maybe Michael simply didn't like it. I'm spitballing. Perhaps he didn't think enough of Buck as a showrunner, Maybe Michael was afraid of doing just another season of Dexter with yet another big, big bad, with another season after that for more of the same. It's just not what he wanted to do, and I think um, Scott Reynolds has, has and Clive Phillips have talked about this uh, on the wrap up podcast, and I think Michael C. Hall's alluded to this as well. Yeah, it's just not what he wanted to do. I mean, it's all well and good for us to want more and more Dexter we love him don't we we love these stories but if the actor's had enough and wants to end it (laughs) we can complain all we like but we can't force him (laughs) anyway this bit's going on uh, longer than I meant but I found it really interesting to hear Buck's take on the revival season eight and then his follow-up ideas honestly I'm glad Dexter returned under Clyde Phillips's leadership but in Buck's defence. The big thing for me is how much Showtime dictated what they could and couldn't do in season eight.
1: This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It helps me control the chaos.
0: Okay, then, (laughs) let's get back to what we're really here for. Let's turn our attention to lighter things. Things altogether more positive because whether you were satisfied by the ending of new blood or not the series had plenty for us to dissect and lots of great moments i put the call out to the listeners you guys at the finale and i asked you to send me your five favorite new blood moments and it turns out there are many of them i received no less than 30 different moments and they're all really good I remember Travis some time ago, season seven maybe, in his list. He said it's the little things that often stand out to him rather than the big set pieces or the huge character moments. It's those subtle looks or a a seemingly throwaway line, spoken or voiceover, that can really add to something, really add add something to a scene and, and make it great. But having said that, there's nothing subtle about the top five for new blood, and that's not a bad thing at all we're here to to finish our our journey with with Dexter finish our, our, our journey through the series of new blood and forget all the negativity that's been out there We want to end this on a high on a positive note and that's what we're going to do today we're going to dive in now to your top five moments of Dexter new blood.
1: Mm-hmm. The top five highlights from Dexter's...
0: New Blood!
2: As voted for by you, the listeners of the Dissecting Dexter podcast.
0: So, before we find out your five favourite moments from New Blood, a little bit of scientific methodology, because we have to be transparent and robust in data collection. It's so easy to manipulate statistics into showing what you want and I want to ensure the validity of the data so you can trust the outcome of the election, uh, uh, the vote for your favourite moments. Little bit of satire there, did you catch it? So, (laughs) the method. I asked for your five favourite moments and you sent me them. I counted them and found the top five. Simple as that. Previously... I've specifically asked you to rank them and then I'd weight the votes accordingly so someone's number one would score higher than their number five. This time I thought, bugger that. (laughs) First past the post, easy as key lime pie. Little bit of old school Camilla reference for you there. For your nominations, I've had a surprisingly broad and extensive range of suggestions from a large number of listeners. Probably the biggest response I've ever had to one of these. Although, I must be honest, I touted for a few (laughs) when I saw how close the vote was, only because I wanted to try and avoid a tie. I asked my wife, my sister in law, my neighbour, myself. (laughs) I even asked Scott Reynolds for his favourites, which he gave but I won't reveal what they were. Many moments got a single vote. Moments like Deb at the Wood Chipper, Dexter's dream about Harrison being a one-man army, Kurt's runaway dance at the tavern, even one saying that this podcast has been a favourite moment. With two votes, I guess these are all the honourable mentions, aren't they? Two votes, Dexter scattering Matt's scent around the forest to distract the dogs. The opening scene from episode one with Dexter running through the trees to Iggy Pop's passenger. And the moment Dexter punched out Matt after the deer got shot. With three votes, we've got Dexter and Kurt's heat-style face-off across the dinner table. We've got Dexter's arrest. Dexter saving Molly at the cabin and Dexter killing Logan. That last one might surprise some of you. The Dexter arrest scene. That was one of my own picks, actually. For me, it was a turning point in my head for the character. The scene was brilliantly played by Julia Jones, but it was the glance from Dexter to the knives when I thought, oh shit, he's willing to kill her to save himself. It made the Logan kill slightly less shocking because I was already thinking that he wasn't going to let anyone stand in his way. The scene with Molly at Kurt's cabin nearly made my top five, but just missed out. It was key for Dexter discovering who Kurt really is, but for entertainment, it was a joy seeing him toy with Kurt, teasing him about the door and stuff. Really good scene. Then, ahead of these, is a group including the therapy scene, which was another one of my picks. It was a highlight of a really strong episode, at that point the best of the season. The emotion there. Now, when I watch something, I want to feel something. And this scene did that in spades. Definitely brought us something we'd been clamouring for since Harrison showed up, having them talk and be honest with each other. I could have watched a whole episode of that. On the same number of votes as this, we have Deb's return, and that moment when Angela said, I need Dexter Morgan. All these moments... The fact that we have such a wide assortment really highlights to me what a good series it's been, with an embarrassment of riches. Even if you didn't dig the way it ended, we had some really good stuff along the way. Ahead of this group, we've got another doozy from episode 9. It's Dexter telling Harrison about the code via the story of Wiggles. The dialogue, the delivery, the old-school Dexter stalk uh, stalk and kill... The look to camera and the flick of the red nose. It was a really, really, really good scene. And I'm not surprised he got so many votes.
1: Harry gave me the code as a way to channel the dark passenger, to use it for good.
0: For
3: good?
1: And a way forward in life.
2: <laughs> I <told> you. <laughs> it didn't get you. What the fuck?
1: Once I have proof of their crimes, the code allows me to stop them from hurting others. I do what the law failed to do. I fix things.
0: Hello. Don't you just love that sound? (laughs) For me, it's the funniest moment of the series. Just ahead of Dexter's comment about the drug dealer's wallpaper. That was Michael C Hall's idea. One of those rare moments he chose to break the fourth wall and look at the camera. And it really works. Once again, bringing us in and making us complicit in what he's up to. The whole sequence was a throwback to the original series, right down to the change in aspect ratio. I have to uh, reveal it was one of Scott Reynolds' favourite moments of the series. And although it's from one of his two episodes, there's nothing wrong with him picking it. It really is a good sequence and got a lot of votes from you guys but just misses out on the top five. Which brings us to your top five, which is actually a top six, because despite my best efforts, holding out for any extra listener vote that might separate them and give us that nice, neat group of five, it just didn't happen. So we have a tie, and we'll get to that.
1: Number five. These, these are his trophies.
3: away with this for years so many women dead until you found him you killed Wiggles didn't you
1: I took care of Arthur Mitchell too, Trinity. I killed him for what he did to your mother. And for what he did to so many others. This motherfucker needs to die too.
0: <sighs> this was a big moment and a turning point for Harrison. So much going on here and so much at stake. Watching it back now, that fleeting moment of Deb holding on to Dexter saying, please don't. It's that last vestige, that, that last piece of internal resistance, one last ditch effort to not let Harrison know the full ugly truth. But then seeing Dexter admit it, and that kiss on the forehead, you, you know he never really, never really wanted to not let Harrison in. But what also makes this scene such a good one is the production design. The use of repurposed containers, a nod of course to Dexter's past. We've got the thumping sound of the lights coming on, the bodies in display cases, which you might remember Scott Reynolds saying was a homage to the classic Universal horror movie The Black Cat. Listener Sonia thought the whole scene was incredibly creepy, those lights creating a great effect. Susan says, I kept wondering why Kurt so lovingly prepared the bodies and why perfection was so important. Seeing them in the trophy cases clearly explained it all. I thought they were exquisitely beautiful and seeing them for the first time was definitely a jaw dropper for me. Mike Lannick says this about it. All season,
4: we've been wondering exactly what he's doing with these bodies. uh, And this was terrifying. Easily one of the more terrifying, you know, killers, I think, in the whole Dexter series. Initially, if you remember, I wasn't too high on Kurt early on. I I thought he wasn't quite as menacing as I thought he was going to be. And that quickly changed. I I definitely turned uh, uh, around on him and uh, this reveal that this is what he does to his bodies was just awful to see but uh yeah it was just but the reveal was great
0: the scene goes on of course with dexter admitting to killing wiggles and trinity nick henderson describes this he says this moment gave me chills dexter steps into this moment and admits the truth point blank to his son I love the scene because Deb is clinging to him and begging him not to tell Harrison the truth, but he ignores her and admits everything with pride. In retrospect, I look at this scene as the first step towards disaster. Dexter has always been selfish and this just shows that he can't truly ignore his desire to be himself and to find acceptance, even if it means dooming his son in the process. Thanks Nick, well put there. We'd speculated for much of the season, just what is Kurt doing with all these bodies? We had hints of him preserving them, and we thought maybe we'd see some kind of corpse museum eventually. And we sure did. The way they revealed this, and the way the room was designed, exceeded my expectations. And the interplay uh, between Dexter and Harrison really makes this moment deserve its place in the top five. However, it's not alone here. It tied with something else for the number five spot, and for many, this will be a controversial pick, as it's a moment from the finale that provoked an incredible amount of backlash. No, it's not that one. It's this one. Yeah.
1: Don't get caught. That's only a part of it.
3: Harrison... No, shut up! You don't really care about saving anybody, do you? You're just feeding this, this dark passenger. It's not even a passenger, it's fucking driving! and you like it.
1: You slashing Ethan, breaking that wrestler's arm, that's your own darkness. You're just like me, buddy.
3: No. I wanted to be like you. So bad. But my anger isn't because I'm like you. My my anger is because of you. of, of course I'm angry. You didn't just make the decision to abandon me once. You made that decision every single day. You stayed away for 10 years!
1: Well, I'm still your dad and I'm here now. I'm right here. Just come with me, buddy. I can stop, I can do it.
3: With your help. I'm not your fucking caretaker. I'm your goddamn son.
1: I want. I need to be
3: with you. You have to turn yourself in. There's no other way.
1: If I do, I get the death penalty.
3: Maybe you deserve it. be alive if it weren't for you? Would on Deb still be alive? And me, would I be so fucked up? Open your eyes, and look at what you've done! You're right. I want to be right! I I I want to be normal.
1: I'm sorry for everything I've done to you. You deserve better.
0: I love how Harrison takes charge of the conversation at the beginning of that clip. It's like the boy has become the man. It's the moment that brings an end to Dexter's journey. One we've been with him for, for such a long time. As listener Jennifer Pennington says, we finally get some closure, even if not everyone was happy with the way it ended. And it's been quite a ride. One that sucked us in, drew us in so that we laughed along with his, his quirkiness, his wise cracks to the bad guys, reveled in his, in him, in him taking out the trash smiled along at his social awkwardness, celebrated his triumphs and and all the times he wriggled out of seemingly no-win situations. But this was a masterstroke of the entire series and it's one we've acknowledged so many times. He made us an accomplice. We've been complicit in everything he's done and we've been inexorably connected because of it. Judging by the backlash, it seems that for many... This connection couldn't be broken no matter what he did, even to the point of grooming his own fucking son to become a serial killer. I think for many others, perhaps myself included, it makes the conclusion a tough pill to swallow, but it was inevitable. The fact that we love this character for so many years, the connection we have, it's hard to let go. In real life, it's sometimes hard to recognise the bad in people we care about. I know I'm not speaking for all viewers, of course not. Everyone will have their own reasons for either liking the ending or not. But for Harrison killing him, the seed was sown in episode 9. Rewatching it today, there was a look from Harrison as Dexter accused Kurt of just enjoying the power he had over his victims. There was a look on Harrison's face, cogs turning in his head, you could hear them. He was wondering the same about his dad in that moment, I'm sure of it. With what then happened with Dexter's escape and Logan's death, it was a trigger for Harrison. Everything fell into place and there was no turning back. This is a powerful scene, made more so by the incredible work of Hall and Alcott. There are lots of references in this scene too, such as the callback to the pilot episode, references to Rita and others, Deb drawing her hand away from Dexter's as he dies symbolic in so many ways. I talked extensively about this final scene on the finale feedback podcast, so obviously this isn't all I have to say about it. And if you've not heard the feedback episode, please go back and listen. It's a long one, but there's some good stuff in there, trust me. Honestly, I could do a whole podcast about this one scene. I won't, (laughs) but I could. But I cannot believe, I can't believe there are still people out there saying that the season eight finale was better. Melinda says, Dexter's death scene, for all its problems and rushed conclusions, Michael C. Hall was phenomenal. And he and Jack Alcott and Scott Reynolds and Clyde Phillips were all so proud of what they created. They deserved better than what the broader fan base gave them. Let's hear from Chris Oberdick. There have been so
1: many intriguing, imaginative and satisfying endings suggested for this series. I kind of loved an ending suggested by the show itself with Dexter on the electric chair forced to look at his victims' faces before he died, as he had forced his own victims. Though I didn't get that ending, it was satisfying to see Dexter review the innocent deaths he was responsible for, and in that moment, moment realize he had fooled himself that he was a hero. As he's As his struggle to find an escape route turned into a negotiation for his final exit, I saw him set his steely resolve for what he knew had to occur. Number four.
2: I was wrong. Just please, please. You shot my deer and you almost killed me. I promise, I promise, I will never do anything like it again. I, I I swear to
1: you. I promise the same thing and look at me now.
2: Wait, 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 you don't understand. It's not my fault, it's not my fault. Okay, my mom died when I was eight. My dad, he was never around, he was always working. I, 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 had, I had a sh- sh- shitty childhood, okay?
1: They're blaming this on bad parenting?
2: It's true. It's not my fault, okay? I didn't have anyone. I had... I had nothing. I had no compass. I... I was just... You
1: know, I lost both my parents when I was young, too. (laughs) I wouldn't have had any direction if it wasn't for
2: Harry. Who's Harry? He adopted me. Then you understand. You get it? So you're not going to kill me.
1: We're past the point of no return on that one.
2: You know what? Fuck you, man. My dad, he is going to destroy you! He knows everybody in this town. They love him. They would do anything for him. And when he finds out what you did to me, he is gonna find you. And he is gonna rain down a world of pain on you, man. You have no idea what you're doing.
1: Like you said, life is short, dude.
0: was the moment that dexter fell off the wagon it had been pretty funny during the episode dexter trying to avoid listening to anything that might indicate matt fitted the code i kept uh, visualizing gollum with his hands over his ears going not listening not listening (laughs) he was changing the subject when he could but he'd been making a connection with nature and i can speak from experience that's a powerful thing it can be spiritual And it's a privilege when a wild creature shows trust, even if it's just a a sparrow staying on the bird feeder and not flying off when you walk past to the car. For Dexter, though, we know how important connection is to him and the shocking death of the deer that, let's face it, bloody frightened him and it would have scared the bejesus out of anybody, a bullet flying past his ear. That was jarring, but it awoke something dark. Maybe this series could have been called The Dark Passenger Awakens. (laughs) Matt fitted the code, and he was a dickhead. How many of us were rooting for him to get his just desserts, right? See? We're like an accomplice. (laughs) I'm including myself in this. I've been right there with him all these years too. The kill room was hurried, and of course we saw he's not the polished monster he once was, making a few mistakes, but the importance of this scene was as great for him as it was for the audience. It had been too long, and oh, how we missed Dexter at the kill table. And actor Steve Robertson did a great job, a great job of being the the first post-Miami victim. There was blood and thunder in that performance, first pleading for his life, trying to get the sympathy vote, which, of course, fell on deaf ears. Listener Luke Farmer says he loved everything about this scene. Perfect victim... The improvised kill room, the makeshift blood slide, the dialogue between them, the hello, Dexter Morgan, a great start to the season. Sonia likened Matt's rant to uh, WWE wrestler rants of old. The old-fashioned promos, particularly macho man Randy Savage. My daddy's going to rain down a world of pain on you, man. Ooh, yeah! No, she didn't put, ooh, yeah, that's just me doing my... Randy Savage impression. (laughs) Oh dear, I could edit that, couldn't I? Nice parallel, though, that he was a wrestler in school as well. That's Sonia's words, not mine. She also says, well acted or overacted. Either way, a great line. Des says she got a rush when Dexter looks into the mirror and in voiceover says, hello, Dexter Morgan. Molly says, we've waited nearly 10 years for Dexter to come back and go almost an entire episode without him killing anyone. Something so foreign for Dexter. Watching him struggle to remain abstinent until Matt sealed his own fate was such a great climax build-up to watch all in one episode. Mike picked this moment in his top five.
4: Even though Matt's character was just way over the top, uh, it it felt oddly satisfying to see him, in some ways, and, and also terrible, Uh, to see him kill Matt Caldwell but given that he hadn't done it for 10 years I I think that in some ways that was just a uh, that first kill like that like being a a drug addict free you know being sober for 10 years and then you know relapsing badly
0: I love Mike's use of the word relapse to describe this it's true we've mentioned addicts and addiction a lot this season And there have been a few moments when Dexter's either behaved or said something that seems straight out of a drug addict's mouth or an alcoholic. It's certainly not something to take lightly, but clearly Dexter was just another kind of addict, and Matt was his relapse. It really was a good moment and a fine way to welcome us back into the world of Dexter Morgan. But what strikes me, watching it now, as Matt warns Dexter about the world of pain coming from his dad... I wonder how differently things would have played out if he hadn't relapsed. Other things could have played out the same, but perhaps Kurt would have ended up being Dexter's relapse instead, and Dexter might have still been alive at the end. Just a thought.
1: Number 3
0: okay? I'm I'm not hurt. (sighs) Yes, it's the hug. Or hugs. For me, I lump them together, although some of you specified the one at the cabin or the one in the car, but because they came within a couple of minutes of each other, I've put the votes together. We've been clamouring for father and son to properly connect, and true to Dexter form, it takes something crazy like Harrison being groomed and nearly shot in the back by a serial killer to bring them together. It was a big moment for both of them. Separated all these years. OK, through Dexter's own choice, but separated nonetheless. Harrison not even knowing if his father was alive for years. Dexter choosing not to be with his son for fear of what being with him could bring. This hug was a release of all that emotion fuelled by the relief of the near-death experience, but also for us as an audience. I'm not ashamed to admit it got very dusty in my living room, And then, just as I settled down, we had this bloody bit in the car.
1: There's so much I need to tell you I should have way before it got to this. You need to know. What? Before anything else, you need to know that you never have to feel alone with your dark thoughts again. You were probably drawn to Kurt because he seemed to understand you, but I... I was born in blood, just like you. I had the same violent urges when I was your age, like you, I didn't know how to deal with them. But my dad taught me a code, a way to channel those urges. I'm gonna tell you everything. This is all I had to do. This is all he ever wanted. Maybe if I'm being honest, maybe this is all I ever wanted too.
0: Well, thanks a lot. (laughs) Just as I dried my eyes, this got me even more. That rush of emotion in Harrison. ...leaping into Dexter's arms practically. This time because of what Dexter said. Little did we know of what was to come... ...but for this moment Harrison was a little boy... ...grabbing hold of his dad out of pure relief and joy. The need for connection, understanding and quite simply the need for love. For me watching it brought back all the times from the original series... ...when Dexter had opportunities to make connection... ...express emotion, show love... Of course, we can debate all day, can't we, about whether he's fully, truly capable of all these things. For Dexter, it's just relative, isn't it? He does the best he can. Like all of us, really. So for me, it was even dustier with this one. It was also a relief to many of you. Des had almost lost her mind in the anticipation of them hugging. Here's Chris. The hug. And the reason I put this on my list was that it got me really emotional. And more emotional than I expected it would. Um, I think we could we could see it coming in the episode, but when we got there and when we had that wide shot of Dexter and Harrison running to each other, um, I found it um, a really emotional moment for myself, but also for the character of Dexter. Molly says, When Dexter and Harrison are reunited at the end of episode eight, Dexter, just in time to save his son and Kurt running off, that hug... Plus the scene a few moments later in the truck of Dexter revealing he has a dark passenger too and violent urges and Harrison finally feels that connection he's looking for and leaps into hugging his dad. Such a sweet ending to that episode. Luke says, The moment Dexter rescued Harrison and they embraced for the first time as father and son, it got me. Even though I knew it wouldn't last and that darkness was around the corner, it was amazing to finally see Dexter happy. It stands out to me as the best moment of the season. We waited so long for it, and when it came, it landed. Yeah, it really did, Luke. It was a significant emotional beat, and it was well-earned. A long time coming, but making us wait, it made it more satisfying when it happened. I talk about wanting to feel something, and I certainly did here.
1: Number 2 Blood doesn't lie. The spatter doesn't match. How do we recreate these patterns? I don't know. This time we see if Harrison attacked Ethan first.
3: What are you trying to do here?
1: Make sense of this.
3: you're not. You're trying to make him into a monster like you.
1: That's the only way you can feel like a real dad, right? If he looks up to you, he wants to be like you, so you could have some sick-ass serial killer family. He's a good kid. He's nothing like you. Ethan was the one trying to get away.
4: I know.
1: Harrison attacked him from behind. Then he stabbed himself to sell us on this story. He planned the whole thing. Tell me that's not what happened. Why would Harrison slash Ethan first? He didn't hate him.
0: This was one of my picks too, and undoubtedly a highlight of the first half of the series. In the original series, it was so much fun watching Dexter read blood at a crime scene like a book, and here he slips right back into that mode and revels in it. We've got Deb arguing with him, playing devil's advocate, that part of Dexter that wants Harrison not to have a dark passenger, but in the end the blood doesn't lie, to coin a phrase. There is a hint of pleasure on Dexter's face as he makes his conclusion. Pleasure because we know the big part of him wants Harrison to be like him. Further confirmed when he finds the razor blade at the end of the same episode. At this point in the show, I was still on the fence about whether Harrison really did have a dark passenger and wasn't just a screwed up teenager who needed love, support and connection. By the end of the show, of course... Anyone who heard the finale feedback podcast will know that I was talking myself into uh, thinking maybe he does have a passenger after all. But maybe the jury will always be out on this one, unless we get that spin-off, in which case we'll be back talking about it on the podcast. But what is it about this scene in episode four that had so many of us having it in our top five? A big part of it, I think, is the old school feels seeing Dexter use his skills at analysing a crime scene. New Blood had felt new and fresh in so many ways, and some found that difficult to get into. But this, this was a scene that took us back to the old days, and as long-term fans, we lapped it up. It's significant for the character of Dexter too, like I said, arguing with himself about whether Harrison could have hurt Ethan on purpose, and if he did, whether that means he's like his father. Nick Henderson says... Who can forget the brilliant blood spatter analysis in the high school theatre department? Dexter trying to deduce what truly happened between Harrison and Ethan, while Deb serves as a sort of dance partner. I love the way the knife passes back and forth between them, the way the blood from the imaginary wounds fills in the bloodstains on the floor, destined to be an all-time best moment of the show. Melinda says this is her favourite scene of the series. Susan says she realised how much she missed the old Dexter as a blood spatter expert. It was nice to see that part of Dexter's expertise resurface. Luke says, Love seeing him roll back the years and cut through a crime scene like only he can. Harrison had everyone fooled but Dexter. The dialogue between him and Deb was brilliant, and any scene between the two of them is always pretty special. And Luke brings up a good point here, the interplay between Deb and Dexter. Throughout the season less so towards the end perhaps, their interplay was um, more sporadic, but they had some great moments together, often very subtle, sometimes with only the use of a look. Massive credit to Jennifer Carpenter, who we know from Scott was heavily involved creatively with Deb's appearances. Here's Mike again.
4: You know, vintage Dexter from back in the day with uh, blood spatter and everything. I, I loved seeing him in that element. I think it's It's something that I don't think the show really made clear this season about, you know, how much he was good at his job and enjoyed it. Loved it, I think, really. I think Dexter really did love being a blood spatter analyst. Um, I wish they would have mentioned that in the show, like how much he missed it, because I like to think that he did.
1: You're listening to Dissecting Dexter.
0: Number one. I'm sure by elimination you've figured out what the number one moment is. It's a cracker of a scene from what I think we can unanimously agree was the best episode of the series and one of the best Dexter episodes ever.
2: Okay. You got me. That's all me. Every bit of it. Pretty fucking amazing, huh? <laughs> really? You, you fucking murdered women. No! I saved them. They're just runaways. you have any idea the trauma that they were going to go through? I do. I saw it. I saw it firsthand, what my dad would do to them. Hey! I told you no dad shit. I picked them up on the road and I'd take them to my cabin, and I'd give them a nice room, and a warm meal, and safety. But that was never enough for them. They always wanted to go back out there. And so, I preserved them, kept them safe forever.
1: Bullshit. This wasn't about saving anyone, this was about power. You loved the power you had over them fed the darkness inside you. You love the hunt, the capture, their terror feeding you. You deserve to die.
2: Oh, wow, Jimbo. You really get me, don't you? So what is this? You and your son, you're some kind of vigilante team? Don't get me wrong, I'm kind of jealous. The time that I spent with Harrison kind of made me wish my son was more like H. Yeah,
3: Yeah, then why'd you try to kill me?
2: Oh, shit. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what you did to Matt, does he? (laughs) Revenge for your dear old dad murdering my son. Eye for an eye, son for a son. (laughs) Nothing personal, kid.
1: Matt fit the code. Five people died because of him. And they didn't receive justice because Kurt covered for him.
2: Wait. What? That's your rationale for killing people? Some kind of bullshit justice code? You know, when Matt
1: was on my table, he blamed you for everything, just like you blame your dad.
0: Like father, like son. This really is a doozy. So much going on here. Credit to the actors and the writer, but also the director, the cinematographer, the editor. The little cuts from Harrison to Dexter and Kurt are there to give us clues for what comes later. I'm sure of that now. Dexter talking to Kurt, accusing him of not being a saviour, but just enjoying the power. There's a look from Harrison then, like I mentioned earlier, looking at his dad, and I think this is a little seed sown in his head that comes to fruition in the finale. When Kurt calls bullshit on Dexter's code, Dex is quick to stuff a gag in his mouth to shut him up. It's like he knows it's BS, but doesn't want Harrison to question it. Then the moment of the stab, Dexter pauses after the knife goes in. We know, savouring that sweet moment of ecstasy. It's brief, but Harrison looks at his dad and I wonder if he realises that this is not about being a vigilante or doing any kind of good. Maybe subconsciously he knows something is very off about this, but it's overridden by his desire to connect with his dad, at least for now. Dexter gets so carried away and I think he shows Harrison way too much dismembering Kurt in graphic detail. Again, credit to the creators for showing this so vividly for the first time. He's so matter-of-fact, like he's telling Harrison how to change the tyre in a car. Listener Melinda mentions the moment. Dexter says, I generally cut them up into nine pieces, depending on how big they are. It's so surreal, and as I watched, I couldn't help but think Harrison surely can't think this is OK. At what point does he reject this? To me, it seemed to ride on whether he really has a dark passenger or not. It was shocking to us. We've never seen the dismemberment to this degree. And it was obviously calculated by the writer to rival the shock to Harrison. And of course, we we know this because Scott talked about it on the podcast here. Perhaps the shock to Harrison suppressed any natural feeling of revulsion and the urge to turn away. Again, helped by his need to be with his dad. I did feel, though, that this is a step too far, making his son an accomplice. Such was Dexter's desire for his son to be just like him. It's insane, and it's a wonder how many still rooted for Dexter's survival after this. It's, it's horrific when you think about it. Unspeakably heinous for a parent to expose their child to anything like this. Alright, yes, we are in the Dexter universe. But within the Dexter universe, is this the Breaking Bad moment? Perhaps he's always broken bad, but maybe this was the point of no return. Still, it's a brilliant scene and a massively significant one for the character of Dexter. And the entire series, in fact. (laughs) Listener Oliver says, showing Dexter's kill table in gruesome detail from Harrison's point of view, allowing the audience to see how gory Dexter's happy place actually looks. Molly says... Not only the build-up through the season of Dexter finally getting Kurt ultimately being satisfied, but I felt it was so interesting and intimate. Many felt it was twisted for him to do that in front of his son, but we've seen Dexter several times throughout the entire series try to have a human connection to someone and share that side of him. It made sense for him to feel the most comfortable with his son. We've never seen the full deal like that, and after all this time it's like we're let in on a secret part of Dexter's life. Nice nice thoughts there, Molly. Susan says, There were so many things that were disturbing about this scene. Cutting off the arms was as gruesome as it gets. As an audience, we had been protected from the reality of what it takes to cut up a body in the first eight seasons. They did a great job of highlighting how sick Dexter really is, to the point where I decided it was okay for him to die. Another thing disturbing about this scene was witnessing how unaware Dexter was regarding Harrison's reaction or non-reaction. It emphasised just how self-absorbed Dexter was about meeting his own needs. Nice thoughts from you, Susan. Good job. Sonia says, The raw horror of it all flipped a switch for me, that that what he's doing is not glamorous or right, and he needs to stop or be stopped. It was the first time I was not on board with whatever Dexter did. That was huge for me. Yes, indeed. I think there's a, a general consensus there, isn't there? Thanks, everyone. It was huge for pretty much all of us. Scott Reynolds was quite rightly very proud of this episode. And this moment, for all that it pays off, for all that it stands for, and all that it's set up, this is a very worthy number one New Blood moment. So, that's your countdown of the top five New Blood moments, as voted for by you, me, my wife, my cats, and Scott Reynolds. (laughs) I had a lot of fun going through your nominations, and it was fun revisiting the scenes to get the audio. I looked at them with the perspective, of course, of having seen the whole story, and it gave me a different view in some cases. Many thanks to everyone who took the time to send in their nominations. And that's it for New Blood. Whether we ever get a spin-off, we shall see, but if we do... Let's get back together again and see what it's like. What do you say? You'll know where to find me, but if for some reason you accidentally unsubscribe from the podcast feed, I'm always reachable on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dissecting or Twitter at Dissect and you know the email address by now, I'm sure you do, dissectingdexter at gmail.com. I'm never far away if you want to reach out in the meantime. And the podcast itself isn't going anywhere. I'll take a little break after this, but then the re-watches will be back as we return to season three and catch up with a much younger Dexter and his new best buddy, Miguel Prado. Episode 5 Turning Biminese will be next, if you want to join in the conversation, and I hope someone does. It's always better to get. <laughs> it's always better to get some listener thoughts so it's not just me talking. So once again, thank you to everyone everyone i mean everyone who sent in their nominations for the top 5 thanks to everyone who has sent in feedback during new blood and i include everyone again whether it's emails voicemails facebook twitter um where else wherever else <laughs> semaphore smoke signals carrier pigeon <laughs> Everyone who sent in feedback during New Blood, we really seem to get a great community going. There's been so much, it's been a real, there's been a real community spirit this season. And I'm so glad also that I got some guest hosts on too and just sort of mixed up the format. It made the whole experience a lot more fun. Thanks also, of course, to my Patreon supporters. You know who you are. You have really made a big difference and I am extremely grateful. Okay, that's it. You guys are just the best. (laughs) And I am humbled. Humbled, I say, by how many people are listening. And I am humbled by your support and kind words over the last few months. It meant so much. It really has. But please stay with me and we'll be dissecting some more season three, Dexter, very soon. And after that, we'll be diving into the Trinity season. I can't wait for that. So I hope you'll join me for that, too. Thanks so much for listening. It's truly been a privilege interacting with you all. Take care, everyone. Bye for now.